We're going to get started here. Thank you all for coming on this cold morning. I'm glad that it's warm in here. So we are going to be covering growing and selling cut flowers. And this is, it's a class geared for those who are wanting to start a business and earn, earn money from it. Now why did it die? But of course the principles that we're going to cover, you can use for home growing as well. So, the, yeah, okay, so the first, the first slide is just the sessions. I wasn't here last night to, to talk about it, but um, session one, we're going to cover why flowers. I'm going to share about my garden, what I'm doing, and some of those details, and then we're also going to cover easy annuals, what you can get started first year, just super fast, super easy, but that can also be profitable. And then in the next session, we're going to go over hardy annuals, seed starting, and then session three, the last one before lunch, we're going to do bulb tubers and corms. And then after lunch, we have harvesting and post-harvest handling, marketing and display. And then the last two we swapped, and the session five is actually going to be on photographing your flowers, um, which is a very key part of the business. And then the last session is going to be arranging flowers, and that's going to be focused on arranging for events. And a lady's going to come in and be doing that for the last session. She's going to come in and bring a lot of flowers to show us how to do it. So, so for curiosity's sake, how many of you all have grown flowers? No flowers. Okay. A few few flowers okay yeah so so who wants to grow flowers for sale everybody okay so we're in the good place for that so if the slide was up here <laughs> um, all the all the photos in the presentation except for a couple specific ones that I, I needed they are all pictures that I've taken or my husband have taken of the flowers that I have grown. So it'll give you a little window into the flowers and the operation. Okay, so we're going to get started with the basics, why flowers? And one of, the, one of the first reasons is the lessons to be learned in the flowers. And we, we read in the Bible about how Jesus pointed to the lilies and said, you know, consider the lilies. Um, but I found this quote in Youth Instructor that I thought was a really beautiful picture. It says, He, Christ, would pluck the lilies, the flowers of the valley, and place them in the hands of the little children as instructors to proclaim the truth of his word. So the flowers were to teach, were to instruct his word, God's word. And that's how it should be for us today. Here's a quote um, all, both young and old, should be in the open air as much as possible. Every family should have a plot of ground for cultivation and for beauty. Parents, a flower garden will be a blessing to your children. It will pay to expend a small sum of yearly, a small sum yearly in the purchasing of flower seeds and shrubs. So that kind of just puts it as important. Like, spend some money each year in doing this, even if it's just for the beauty of it. And Mrs. White also lives by her own, ex whatever she said, she lives by example as well. And this is a glimpse into her gardening world. She says, last evening, the two Marys went with me to Brooklyn, California for a few flower roots for our garden. Sister Grover gave us as many as we could carry. 
We came home and I set out my things in my garden of the new house by moonlight and by the aid of a lamplight. The two Marys tried to have me wait till morning, but I would not listen to them. We had a beautiful shower last night. I was glad then that I persevered in setting out my plans. So that gives you a little window into her life and what she, the sacrifices that she made. I mean, she didn't obviously count them as sacrifices, but staying up in the night to plant her flowers. <laughs> and what's... I got another projector and possibly coming up. Okay, so we're having, we're having projector issues, and since this is a very uh, PowerPoint-centric... We'll try to go on without it. But, okay, so we've covered why flowers, the spiritual lessons. And number two is universal appeal. appeal. Now, coming from vegetable gardening, um, flowers are unique in that you don't have to be on a diet to appreciate flowers. So compared to vegetables, they do have a more universal appeal. And um, they, they bring happiness and smiles. It's a joy to take flowers to market or give a bouquet. And it's just this instant, this instant smile and appreciation, something it goes beyond just giving them a cucumber. Um, <laughs> and so, <laughs> unless they're hungry, yes. <laughs> that, the food comes first, and then the, <laughs> the flowers are food for the soul. So the fourth point is they're less pressure than vegetables. Now, if you're growing vegetables, like if you're doing a CSA, or if you have a tomato crop failure, for example, like that's, that's pretty devastating. You know, people count on, on tomatoes, but say if, you're, if your cosmos didn't do well, well, you just substitute with sunflowers, or you just add a different variety. There's not, there's not as much pressure, like you have to have this variety. You just put together what looks beautiful and what you have, and it's, you don't have as big of a loss if one of your crops doesn't succeed. And the, the fifth is profitability. And I know in our area, at least, there's quite a saturation of farmers, organic vegetable farmers. And so if you're a new farmer getting into farming, you will find that most of the farmers markets, they already have all the farmers that they need growing vegetables, and you have a harder time getting in. But flowers is a, a couple steps behind the local food movement. There we go. There's a slide. And so you have more of a chance to get in. And they, they are very, they can be very profitable. Even beyond vegetables, some people will wager. So it's, it's a little bit cut off there. But um, the local flower movement, as I mentioned, is just a few steps behind the local food movement. 80% of flowers are imported and drenched with chemicals. 71% of all flowers come from Colombia, which is pretty staggering. Um, but articles, books, and speakers are bringing public attention to the need for local flowers. You know, we, we just had those hurricanes recently, and that put out the shipments of flowers coming into the U.S. So all the florists were scrambling, and all the farmers were inundated with calls. And so people are realizing that the system is, is fragile and, and that there needs to be a change. And with the photocentric media, it's propelling the popularity of flowers and varieties that florists aren't able to get, like dahlias. That's, they don't ship very well, but people are all about dahlias right now because they're seeing it on Instagram. They're seeing those pictures in front of them, and so that's making it more popular. 
Um, terms like slow flowers, farmer florist, they're new terms that are really taking off. And brides and consumers are asking for more. They're pushing for, for things that so far florists haven't been able to give to them. So it is a, it's a movement that's really taking off and one that's exciting to be a part of. So about me, um, my name is Kirsten Connect, for those of you who weren't here at the very beginning. And I grew up on Bountiful Blessings Farm in Middle Tennessee. My family raises vegetables and fruits for, through CSA and farmers markets in the Nashville area. So that's what I grew up doing from a very young age. And I, I love agriculture. It's definitely in my blood. Um, but when I got married, I wanted to kind of branch out and do my own my own thing. And I had grown flowers on the side before while I was still at home, but the vegetables were the main priority, so I didn't have the time to devote to doing flowers. So I hadn't explored the possibilities quite as much. So the next picture is a picture of our farm. And you can see my gardens, <laughs> but it's unfortunately not up there. So maybe we can come back to it. Do you know when the other projector's going to come? It's too hot, actually. It's, the room is too hot for projectors. Are you serious? The room is too hot. It's so freezing outside that I was so glad it was warm in here. Uh, Okay, so this, this slide covers the particulars of what my garden looks like, which there's quite a few numbers and a lot of details, so, but I will try to cover it. So I'm going to skip to the, the next slide. Um, so this is getting started. Just some keys for getting started with your flowers. You want to choose a sunny location. The majority of flowers do best in full and full sun. And second, these are just some basic things. If you've grown vegetables, you already know these things, but take a soil test and amend your soil so that you know that your plants are getting what they need because um, to have a healthy plant and to have beautiful flowers, you need to have healthy soil. Um, number three is mark out your beds with uniform measurements and permanent pathways. If you start your garden at the beginning by having you know, uniform bed lengths, not having them all just different and different widths, it's going to make it, it a lot easier for you in the future. So I have my beds. They are 30 inches wide with 18-inch pathways. And that doesn't mean that you have to have yours like that, but that's, that's how I have. That's how we have the vegetables on our farm. It just, it's, an, it's an easy width for cultivating and for harvesting. You can even hop over them because they're not super wide. And make sure you have a way to water, whether... That's drip irrigation or just with a hose, just having some way to water, especially in the south where it gets really hot. Um, do the math. Calculate how many plants you can fit into your space and really use the space widely, wisely. Um, the three spacing used for flowers is either six, six inches apart by six inches, and that's best for upright, non-branching stems. And the most common is nine inches apart. And it works for 
pretty much every crop, but you can sometimes put them a little bit closer for the ones that don't need as much space and, and get more out of it. And then 12 inches for your bulkier plants that produce a lot of foliage and um, branch out a lot. So if I don't mention specifically the planting for a variety, that's going to be, it's a nine inch spacing because that's the most common universal. And now it is. So this is, we're going back to the slide, this is my garden and the specifics. So I have approximately 1,060 row feet that I'm growing on. And approximately half of that is in production at one time, at the most, half. So I have a 14 by 30 foot caterpillar tunnel, which we will talk a little bit more about. But I have that over four of the, my beds, so that is over the calculated bed space there. And so first off, my, my flower business is definitely a side thing. So Nick and I, my husband, um, we, we work full time for Adventist World Radio. And so we are traveling around the world doing that. So this is definitely just on the side, my part time thing I did this, this last summer. Um, and I had to had to have some help for some farmers markets that I wasn't going to be available for, but um, these numbers reflect definitely a part-time on-the-side business. So my total expenses for this season, and some of these things are things that I wouldn't have to pay for next season, infrastructure things. Um, so my total expenses were $2,000, roughly twenty-five. And you can see, I kind of break it down into some of the categories, you know, down to um, my stickers for display and my soil tests and my caterpillar tunnel, just everything, all the specific things that that, that covered. That also covered uh, my ASCFG membership fee, which is $200, and that's a... Uh, that stands for Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers, and it's something that I would definitely encourage any of you who are contemplating doing this as a business to look into. And that does not include my farmer's market fees, because that's going to be different for everyone. And it's different for me, the market that I go to, it's different depending upon how much I earn that week is how much I pay. And my total sales were just over $8,000, and that was from April to October. And I did, I said one and a half farmer's markets. I did one farmer's market, but then I would send flowers to another one that the farm did. Just a few bouquets a week, whatever, whatever I had, if I had the time to put them together. And I sold some to CSA members, and I had a very small amount that went to florists, just a, a couple hundred dollars. So that's where, that's broken down what, what my season looked like and kind of give you an idea of the realistic, what it looks like realistically, but also the potential that it does have if you do it as a business. So we already went through that. Deciding what to order. Flowers, I, I would say mostly try, try to do mostly tried and true varieties, and we're going to talk about which varieties those are, but then also plant a few experimental ones that you just want to see how, how they're going to do in your area. And you want to remember the elements for a nice arrangement, and we're going to go over some of these things multiple times in different presentations, but remember focal flowers, spike flowers, 
disc flower is something that's a little bigger, but it doesn't have the volume that like a spike flower might have, and airy flowers. And don't forget about foliage and filler. It's easy to look through the catalogs and see all these beautiful flowers, but then forget that you have to have some filler and some greenery to really make it a nice arrangement. And I try to order and plant 20% more seeds than I've calculated I need for my bed space because you're going to have some plants that die or something goes wrong. So just count on planting and ordering 20% more than you, you have calculated you need. And if you're tight on space, go for continuous bloomers such as zinnias and cosmos and maybe don't do sunflowers or something that's a one-cut deal. And then also, before you plant your garden, assess your market. Where are you going to be selling these flowers? Farmers market customers, they love the big, the bold, the bright colors. That is definitely not what florists are looking for. So you have to think, you know, where are you going to sell your flowers? What markets are you going to pursue? And that will kind of help you choose what flowers and what colors you're going to grow. So we're going to go through seven of what I would consider the musker annuals, the ones that are that are easy to grow, but that can also make beautiful arrangements. And I'm sure that you are familiar with most of these, if not all of them. So we have sunflowers, zinnias, celosia, gomfrina, cosmos, marigolds, and basil. So there you have elements to make a beautiful bouquet. And I've chosen these ones. Do you, Nick, my presenter notes aren't showing. Change. But I have chosen these flowers because they are... They're easy, they're quick germinators, they're fast, they're disease resistant, they're drought resistant, they're kind of your no-fail flowers, um, at least as much as you can come to in plants that are living. And they may seem kind of basic, but if you pay attention to varieties and get unique varieties, you will still be bringing to your customers something that they have never seen before. So most all of these, as I say, they are fast bloomers. Most all of them are from seed to flower are less than 80 days, or about 80 days. So first off, we're going to cover sunflowers. And I, I don't mention for all of them, but my planting I use, I usually transplant everything. So I plant in a soil block, and I transplant out to the field when those are, when those are big enough. And I usually do for my annuals, for my summer crops, I usually do my first planting in March so that those, those transplants are, are strong and big enough to go out come middle of April when we have our last frost. And I might put them out and I need to cover them a time or two with row covers, but they're getting established right when it's warming up. And if not otherwise stated, I use the 9-inch spacing that I spoke about earlier, which is just a standard for, for most plants. So for sunflowers, you can do them six inches apart if you want a mini head. That people people sometimes like the smaller ones. You can put them in bouquets easier. They are they are fun at market because they're cute. So sunflowers are one that if you plant them closer, you're going to get a smaller head. If you plant them farther apart, you're going to get a bigger head. And my favorite varieties, the Pro Cut series, um, orange, plum, red, lemon, bicolor and red, they have lots of different varieties, but I have found this one to be the easiest one, the variety that I have stuck to. 
Um, I do mention in success in planting, if you, now these varieties, you can, you can get them most anywhere, but if you are familiar with Johnny's catalog, you're probably familiar with these varieties. But if you plant pro-cut and sun-rich and sun-bright series every three weeks, you can have continuous blooms because they are a one-cut thing. You only have one flower per stem. And so if you just grow the pro-cut series and you want flowers every single week for market, you're going to need to plant them every week. And it's a bit of a trade-off because the pro-cuts are a very solid sunflower, and so I almost would promote planting that one every week as opposed to kind of mixing up your varieties. But it is something that's hard to keep on top of planting every single week. So if you combine those three series, they have different days to maturity and you can get approximately three weeks of blooms so you can just plant them every three weeks, which is a plus, but there are some minuses. You don't have the consistent um, look and definitely the pro-cut has some advantages. So for harvesting, for best, best, best vase life, you're wanting to harvest when the petals are just lifting off the center. Now it also, the sunflowers mature very quickly, so you sometimes have to har harvest every single day. And if you harvest them when they're just lifting off the center, you can put those in the cooler and they can last for several days. You can pull them out before market and they're gonna open up really nicely. Now, if your market is, say, the day that you harvest or the next day, you can, you can pick them more open. But you really don't want to, you don't want to pick them too blown open or else you've cut into the vase life of your customer who's going to be buying that flower. So, but, but for market, you do want them pretty open so that people are going to buy them. But when I put sunflowers in bouquets, I often try to put them in when they are more tightly closed. So that that's kind of a surprise for the customer. You know, they might not see the big, beautiful sunflower when they buy the bouquet, but then two days later, it's all, it's all open. So you can use that to your advantage. And they are a great, bold focal flower for bouquets. And I also sell them for eight dollars for a bunch together and I wrap those and I'm going to go into my market and display later on in a following presentation. Zinnias, my favorite varieties are the Queen series and this includes the red lime and the blush and then new this year is an orange color. It's like this really beautiful peachy orange color and also Benary's Giant series and Oklahoma and Sunbow. The Oklahoma and the Sunbow are a lot smaller zinnia, but they're really fun for bouquets to have just the different size element. And for continuous blooms, you're gonna to wanna to plant those once a month during your season. Now, you know, I'm in Tennessee, I'm zone seven, it gets pretty hot. We are, we have fairly wet summers, so we deal with blight and that's really, the biggest reason why you have to succession plant is to combat your blights, your powdery mildew. Um, so if you plant them once a month, you will have continuous blooms. If you're a little farther north or where you don't have those issues, you might not have to plant them as often or you might not even get in that many crops. So you want to trellis the sides. I use just stakes that I put in the corners and then I use twine just to hold this to hold the plants from falling over. They don't need major support, but if you have a, a gusty windstorm or, or rain, they can tend to topple off the sides. So if you just put some support on the sides of them, they will stay upright. And then to encourage 
branching and longer stems, you can pinch them at when they're 18 inches tall. I usually pinch them just when the, the bud is um, just in its round ball stage. I just go and just, just uh, pinch off all the, all the buds. But it's approximately when they're 18 inches tall. And this makes a tremendous difference, I will say. The stem, the stem length that I have from the flowers that I have pinched are way longer and much more usable. So it does, it does make it so that your first flowers are a little later, but it's usually worth it for the stem length that you're going to get. So harvesting, you're, you want to harvest zinnias when they have stiffened. And there's a little wiggle test that you can do. You can just wiggle the, the stem, and if the flower is all floppy, then you know that it's not ready to harvest. But if you wiggle it and it's, it's more upright and it's stiff, then it's ready to harvest and you can cut it and have a longer base life. But you want to harvest before you can see on some of these flowers, there's a little ring of, of yellow, the little flowers, the florets that open around the middle. You want to harvest before those open, because when those open and they are pollinated, then they are not going to last as long. So the, the ones pictured here are the queen red lime, and also there's some queen blush, the, the lighter limey ones. So I use these as a focal flower in my bouquets, and I also will bunch eight to 10 together and sell those for $8 at the market. And another point, zinnias are cold sensitive, so you don't want to put them in the cooler for a prolonged time. You know, they can be in, in, the, in your cooler for a couple hours before market, but you don't want to put them in there for a few days. So the next one on the list is Celosia, and f my favorite varieties are Kramer series, also the Chief series, they're similar. The Pampas Plume and the Sylphid is also a really nice one. Celosia comes in all different types and colors. You have crested type Celosias, you have ball types, you have fan types, and you have plume types. And I would just encourage you to just try. Try growing a bunch of different ones. Decide what you like to arrange with, what fits, what fits well, what colors you like. But they are just super easy. They're very prolific. They self-seed. If you're not careful, you will have a whole garden just of Celosia. But they are also very easy to weed out. They don't, they don't take over in that you have a hard time controlling them. You can weed them out very easily. So again, you want to do two to three plantings for continuous summer to frost blooms. All of these flowers that I'm talking about will grow all the way to frost. So, But if you want to make sure that you have enough for the whole summer, and that's starting to harvest end of middle of May you'll start getting these if you plant them early um, so that's middle of May all the way to your last frost and as far as harvest goes you can harvest these any stage you want any time that you think that they look good up until when they start dropping seeds which they have a pretty pretty long time before they will actually start dropping seeds but you don't want to put those in your bouquet if they're gonna drop all these little black seeds so you'll just, you'll want to look for the seeds and they're pretty obvious on the bottom part of the flowers towards the stem. And they make a lovely filler and also depending upon the variety you have, they can make a really nice spike flower in, bou in bouquets. So the next one is Gomfrina. This is also called Globe Amaranth. And some of my favorite varieties are the QIS series and the Bicolor Rose. 
And these two are just super easy. They, they're abundant producers. And again, you can plant two to three times for a summer of blooms. And for harvest, you want to cut when the flowers are colored, but the stems are firm, because these also can be a little bit more droopy. But if you're, if you're going to dry them, which they, they do very well as a dried flower, you can wait until they're a little bit more mature, till all the flowers have opened, and then you can cut them. And you just hang them upside down for two to three weeks in a warm, dark place, and you have really nice, really nice um, flowers that will last. And the they retain their color for months and I still have some from like two years ago that are still the color. So it's, it's a really fun one to sell at market. I, I, bunched, I put them in bouquets, but I also sell a lot of bunches of just straight gomfrina, and I sell those for $8. You can see the bunches in the picture. You know, they're not huge, but the fun thing is I, I call them, um, you know, buy me and dry me. So I tell them you can enjoy these fresh. I mean, they have an amazing base life. I mean, you can enjoy them fresh for two plus weeks. But then you can just turn them upside down and you have a bouquet, you have flowers that you can enjoy for months to come. So that's a great seller and it's, it's such an easy little plant, but I sell every last stem of it. And I was, I was intending to find the numbers of like how much I earn just on this little plants because I mean seed is super cheap but I sold lots and lots of bouquets of just straight gomfrina and people love it. I think the, the uniqueness it kind of looks like clover and people are really drawn to it. The next one is cosmos and this is another one that's very common but there's lots of new varieties and I would encourage you to especially try the double varieties. There's double click mix and seashells is a is an another unique one. It's not quite double, but it has a unique petal pattern. And there's a Picotti one and Versailles mix. But the thing that I love about the doubles is it's a fairly fragile flower and you can easily like lose one petal. And if you just have the the ones that aren't double, the ones that are single and they just have the one ring of petals. If you lose a petal it's unsellable. But if you get the double varieties, you have a little bit of you have more forgiveness and a little bit of leeway. Like if there's a petal that is damaged or um, you know one doesn't look nice or whatever, there's there there's a lot more sellable stems on a double plant just because it hides more things. And you can see in the picture here, there's a couple different varieties, but that white one there is a double one. And I really enjoy growing those, and they're they're really nice in bouquets. They they are pretty fast as far as um, you don't have blooms for that long if you are continually harvesting them. So I would say if you want a full summer of blooms, you have to, like zinnias, plant these ones every month. And again, if you pinch them, pinch the growing tip when they're about 12 inches tall, you're going to encourage more branching and get more usable stems. And they are, they have more of a fragile root system, they easily knock over. So like the zinnias, you're going to want to use some sort of support or trellising on the, on the sides. And it's, it's really easy just putting a stake on either on the corners and just running. Just even one strand of twine is sufficient to keep them, keep them upright. That's also very important to deadhead these to keep them blooming. It's important to deadhead any varieties, but especially Cosmos as they produce really rapidly and go to seed fast. And once they go to seed, their life as a plant is 
about over. So, and for vet best vase life, you're wanting to cut these when they're just beginning to open. Like I said, they are fragile flowers, so transportation and stuff, once they've fully opened, can be difficult. And these are an excellent filler in bouquets. Um, they add that airy element that is really nice. The next one is marigolds. The Jedi series has been propagated for, especially for cut flowers, so it's a tall variety. You may think of marigolds as being short and ones that you just grow in a pot, but these ones are very tall and they produce long stems, abundant, abundant blooms. And that's, that's a bed that's been harvested several times and is still just full, full of blooms. And again, do two to three plantings. This one, they do keep coming on for longer. I think I just had two plantings this year and it did fairly well. And again, you want to pinch the growing tip. I tried this year doing some where I pinched and some that I didn't pinch. And even though the blooms came on later for the ones that I pinched, the stem length was so much better that I was getting usable stems way sooner than I was getting from the ones that weren't punched. And you can harvest them really at any stage, but if you harvest them when they're half open, it gives them a very long vase life. I mean, they have two plus weeks. They're an excellent one. And if you have some of these in every bouquet, some standard flowers that you know are going to last the customer a longer time, then if one or two of the flowers die earlier, they have a little bit more forgiveness for, for the bouquet because of the ones that have lasted longer. So I also sell these ones as a straight. This is my lowest price point um, item, but again, I think I sold every stem. And it's a, the bright colors just draw people. And so I sold, yeah, I sold them for $6, three to five stems, because there's several blooms to a stem. So just a good, a good looking bunch. The next one is basil. This is a, an excellent filler. It also has the, the wonderful scent. I love to grow lemon basil and also the aromata basil, which is a dark, it's more of a burgundy basil. And it adds a really nice element to the bouquets. Uh, one thing I didn't put on the slide, but it is, it is very cold sensitive, so you don't want to put these, the basil in the cooler. But that is one perk of growing a variety that's darker, like the aromata or the cinnamon basil. It doesn't show cold damage as much. So if you have them in your bouquets and you put your bouquets in the cooler and they get a little bit of damage because they're a darker color, you're not going to notice that as much. But just, just to be careful with that. So again, do two to three plantings. If you pinch them, you're going to get longer stems. You know, you don't have to do the pinching, but on almost every variety, it's going to help you to get the longer stems. And it's really hard starting out to go and pinch off the top of your plant. You feel like you're killing it. But when you realize how much better the plants are going to perform if they are pinched, you actually get to this place where it's kind of fun. You go out and you take all the tops off of them, knowing that you're doing them a favor. So harvesting... I like to harvest when the, the flower part, the seed part, is starting to, starting to grow out the top. But really, it's, it's a flexible harvest period, you know, if you want them just in the, the leafy stage. I think in the leafy stage, without the flowers, they tend to wilt a little bit faster. But it's just whatever, 
whatever look you're going for and how your plants are at that stage because you can harvest them up until you know the the top flower part is very tall and and I kind of like that look when the flower seed stem is on there and this one is like I said prone to wilting so you want to be very conscious to harvest this one in the cool of the day that's the case for all flowers but especially for basil it needs to be harvested and then have a time to sit and hydrate in the water before you use it so I always harvest my basil the night before my market so then it sits all through the night and I really have no problem with it wilting and it has a very good vase life oftentimes the basil will start to root in the water so when people get a bouquet um, usually the flowers will die away before the basil and they'll tell me oh I have a basil plant now because they've rooted in the water so it's, it's a really fun one it's hard to narrow down just a small list. So here are some others that I would encourage if you are adventurous and want to grow more to grow. Amaranth is a really, really nice addition to bouquets. There are so many different varieties. This one in the picture is Coral Fountain. And it, <laughs> it kind of looks like dreadlocks. <laughs> Peach, you know, dreadlocks. And at first I was like, how in the world am I going to use these in my bouquets? But I had them just draping out of the side and you know, they're long. I mean, they could be like this long, but it was such an attention grabber at market and everybody wanted the bouquets with the dreadlocks. And it was like the most popular thing. And so those ones are really fun. And some other varieties, the hot biscuit and red spike, those don't have the flowing this to them, their upright stems, but also just really nice. Amaranth is an easy one to grow. It's very similar in growth hab habit to Celosia. It can, it reseeds, can take over pretty quick, but it's also easy to get out. Um, Verbena is another really nice one. I grew the Buenos Aires variety, and that's available through Johnny's. I think it's mainly, I think that's the main one that's grown. But it's a really fun spike flower to add to bouquets. Adgeratum is also nice. I would encourage you to stick with the blue varieties. There are There is a white variety that I grew this year, but I was very unhappy with it, so I would stick to the blue varieties. And Tall Blue Planet is a nice one. The other one is the Chinese Forget-Me-Not, and that's a really nice one too, it adds that blue color. All of these are, except for the verbena, are ones that, again, you're going to want to plant a couple times for continuous blooms. And here's a list of resources. I get all my seeds from either GeoSeed or Johnny's, johnnyseeds.com. And GeoSeeds is a little bit more old-fashioned. I usually order a catalog and either call in an order or they are getting to the point where they do accept email orders. But if you go on to geoseed.com, you can just request a catalog and get that. And that has huge variety, usually better prices than Johnny's for larger quantities. And it's a, just a black and white catalog with no pictures. Everything is botanical names. But if you can sift through that, that has the best best selections at the best prices. 
Um, I didn't mention the Hortanova netting. I will talk about that in the next session. But if you're wanting additional support besides what you can just use with a, a stake and some twine on the sides, you can get Hortanova netting from Johnny's Seeds. Um, I would suggest if you're on Facebook, be a part of the Flower Farmer group. Also, I mentioned the Association of Specialty Cut Flower Growers. This is a group of serious flower farmers in the U.S. who are trying to promote, share knowledge, and it's a really great organization. It's, the membership is $200 a year, but you get so many resources, and I have learned tremendous amounts through that. So if you're really serious about doing flowers as a business, I would encourage you to definitely check out that. And also another place that has a lot of resources is, is floretflowers.com. And a couple books that I would suggest. These books will be available for purchase at the Adagra booth. So if you're interested in these books, The Flower Farmer by Lynn Bozinski and The Cut Flower Garden by Aaron Benzikane. Just two really great books on the on flower production. And then also, I quoted the Ellen White quotes at the beginning of the presentation. Those are ones from the compilation that my dad actually put together, Councils on Agriculture. It's a compilation of Ellen White quotes, and I'd really encourage you, if um, you haven't gotten one of the compilations, to get that. And it's a really, really neat condensed form that you can read everything that Ellen White wrote about agriculture. So we have a few minutes left for any questions, if you all have, through the presentation? Do you use asparagus fronds in fronds? Okay, so the question was asparagus fronds. I have not, but I have seen other people, other people use it, and that's that's another thing. You know, just see what you have growing around at your place. If you already are growing vegetables, I've used dill in my bouquets. That's another popular one. Um, chives and. Uh, lots of different herbs and asparagus fronds. I've seen people put blueberry branches, and there's all kinds of things that you can add to your bouquets. And just always, if you're dealing with an uh, element that you've never used before, you just want to test the vase life. And so just pick a few stems and put them in water, see how long they last. And if they, if they last over a week, then you're, you're great. I mean, even if they last, yeah. I usually, usually people expect to get um, five days out of their flowers, and they're usually surprised by the fact that flowers that are fresh cut last over a week. So, yes. You mentioned blocking your mm -hmm. flowers. Soil, soil blocks. Soil blocks. What is your soil composition that you use to plant your flowers? Okay, yeah, so we're going to talk a little bit more about soil blocking in the next session. But on our farm, we have used quite a few different like, <coughs> recipes for soil. And right now we're actually using an organic soil mix, soil potting mix that we get from, I feel like we get it from Deerfield, but my dad would know all the resources. It's a huge blessing to still be living on the farm and be able to buy stuff from, in, from their supplies. So yes, it's already a pre-mixed organic potting soil mix and we did struggle for a while with our transplants having issues with dampening off and it's hard to always get all the right proportions and combinations of everything that you need in a mix so at least for starting out try getting an organic soil mix and see how that goes yes. 
Mm -hmm. Yes. Not everybody experienced retention, and I never did. Mm -hmm. so what time, I mean, at what point of the plan do you teach? When it's one stem or when it's planting, you start branching out and you start teaching? Yeah, so each, each plant is a little bit different. For the most part, you're just taking off the growing tip. So you're just taking off like an inch or two of the top. So for zinnias, I just I actually just take off the bud. That's how I pinch because it's really easy. About 18 inches, that first bud comes out. It's like a little ball at the top, and it's just easy to pick off. I don't actually use scissors or anything. I just go and just like take off the buds. But for other plants, I actually take my scissors and actually snip off the, the growing tip. So in the different ones that we went through now, you know, some are better at six six inches tall, some are better at 18 inches tall, but um, yeah, you're just cutting off the growing tip. Does that answer your question? It would be nice to see it yeah, see it visually. Yeah, I wish I had more pictures to show that exactly. But you can just just experiment and try. I my first year doing it, I actually I did some that I pinched and some that I didn't pinch because even though I knew that I was supposed to print pinch, it was still hard to go and cut cut them off, and especially if you're kind of late getting in your stuff and you know that it's going to prolong your flowers. So I pinched some, you know, I cut off the tops of some, and I left others. So you can just kind of experiment, and there's not, there's not like a really set rule. I don't think you can really pinch too much unless you cut the whole plant down. You know, like, you can cut a few inches off. Now, if it's a branching plant, I wouldn't go below the next the next branches. But usually you're pinching them at a stage where they haven't really branched yet, and you're pinching them because you're wanting them to branch. How do you know when to transplant them from your blocking out to your field? Yeah, so when to transplant them out to the field. Um, this can be difficult, especially in the spring when you're dealing with the last frost, and sometimes, a lot of times, I don't get them out when I should get them out. But transplants are pretty forgiving, and you might stunt their growth by getting them out a little bit too late. But I would say, you know, when they're for, it depends on the block size too. There's different types of, different size of soil blocks. So if you're using like a two inch one, I mean, you can have plants that are six inches tall and they're gonna be fine. Um, but if you're using a smaller one, you're going to have to transplant at a smaller time. So more than what size the plants are, which that's ideal to plant them out when they're just the perfect size and everything, but that's not usually the case. I'm usually dealing with like weather issues, and so it's like when I have a break in the cold or my beds are ready, which is another thing, like getting all your beds ready and the plants. So, but ideally, you're looking at you know four to six inches tall for a nice, nice plant that's in a two, two inch block. Any other questions? One more question. Yes. Using in a bucket looks so pretty. Have you ever tried to bring it to the market just like that and let people choose what skin they want? They okay. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so asking about arranging at market, and we can, we'll go into that more when we talk about marketing in the last presentation, but what I actually do is I take some pre-arranged bouquets, but then I also take buckets of flowers and arrange there. And for a couple of reasons, number one, it draws people to see you actually working and putting arranging, so I'm constantly filling my buckets with bouquets that I'm arranging there, and also people can come by and just, you know, if they want a 
a special bouquet. You know, I don't charge them any extra to just tell me what colors they want, and they feel like they're getting, you know, this awesome bouquet because they had a say in the colors. And they usually choose stuff that I wouldn't choose to put in a bouquet or choose less or, you know, it, it all works out. You know, nobody comes and asks for anything too extraordinary. So, yeah, I do, I do take them. And then the zinnias also I sell as straights. You know, just, just seeing your bunches. And some people really like those. Any other questions? Okay, so we're going to take a break. And then our next presentation, we're going to be covering hardy annuals. So we'll take, we'll have a 15-minute break now. And then come back and cover these. So thanks for coming. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio, and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.